Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Law School of America, United States. Equitable Estoppel. Equitable Estoppel is the American counterpart to Estoppel by representation. Its elements are summarized as Facts misrepresented or concealed Knowledge of true facts Fraudulent intent Inducement and reliance Injury to complainant, and Clear, concise, unequivocal proof of actus, not by implication. For example, in Aspects Eyewear v. Clarity Eyewear, Eyeglass frame maker Aspects sued competitor Clarity for patent infringement. Aspects waited three years, without responding to a request that it list the infringed patent claims, before asserting its patent in litigation. During this period, Clarity expanded its marketing and sales of the products. The Federal Circuit found that Aspects misled Clarity to believe it would not enforce its patent, and thus stopped Aspects from proceeding with the suit. Another example of equitable estoppel is the case of Sakaram Ganesh Pandit, an Indian emigrant and lawyer who was granted American citizenship in 1914 due to his designation as white. Subsequently, Pandit bought property, was admitted to the California bar, married a white woman, and renounced his rights to property and inheritance in British India. Following the Supreme Court case United States v. Tind, which found that Indians were considered non-white, and in which Pandit represented the applicant, but at Singh Tind, the U.S. government moved to strip Pandit of his illegally procured citizenship. Pandit successfully challenged the denaturalization, arguing that under equitable estoppel, he would be unjustly harmed by losing his citizenship, as it would cause him to become stateless, lose his profession as a lawyer, and make his marriage illegal. In U.S. v. Pandit, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit upheld Pandit's citizenship, ending denaturalization processes against him and other Indian Americans. Promissory Estoppel In many jurisdictions of the United States, promissory estoppel is an alternative to consideration as a basis for enforcing a promise. It is also sometimes called detrimental reliance. The American Law Institute in 1932 included the principle of estoppel into Section 90 of the Restatement of Contracts, stating, A promise which the promiser should reasonably expect to induce action or forbearance of a definite and substantial character on the part of the promisee and which does induce such action or forbearance is binding if injustice can be avoided only by enforcement of the promise. Restatement, second, remove the requirement that the detriment be substantial. However, equitable estoppel is distinct from promissory estoppel. Promissory estoppel involves a clear and definite promise, while equitable estoppel involves only representations and inducements. The representations at issue in promissory estoppel go to future intent, while equitable estoppel involves statement of past or present fact. It is also said that equitable estoppel lies in tort, while promissory estoppel lies in contract. The major distinction between equitable estoppel and promissory estoppel is that the former is available only as a defense, while promissory estoppel can be used as the basis of a cause of action for damages. 28 American Jurisprudence 2D Estoppel and Waiver Section 34 Suppose that B goes to a store and sees a sign that the price of a radio is $10. 
B tells the shopkeeper that he will get the money and come back later that day to purchase it, there is no discussion of price. The shopkeeper says that when B returns, he will welcome B as a customer, unless he sells all three of his radios first. Hearing this, B goes and sells his watch for $10, it was really worth $15, but since B wanted the money right away, he chose not to wait for the best price. When B returns, the sign says $11, and the owner tells B that he has raised the price. In equity, can you argue that the shopkeeper is a stop by conduct? B relied upon the implied representation that a radio would be sold for $10 when he returned with the money, B has sold his watch at a discount, to his detriment. This element would be absent if B sold the watch at the market price, but the shopkeeper did not guarantee to hold one of the radios against the possibility of B's return nor did they agree to a fixed price. In some common law jurisdictions, a promise by the shopkeeper to hold a specific radio would create a binding contract, even if B had to go for the money. A promise to pay the owner in the future is good consideration if it is made in exchange for a promise to sell a specific radio, one from three is probably sufficiently specific, one promise in exchange for a second promise creates equal value. So the shopkeeper's actual words and knowledge are critical to deciding whether either a contract or an estoppel arises. The drafters of the second restatement debated how to calculate the amount of damages flowing from a promissory estoppel, using the following example, a young man's uncle promises to give him $1,000 to buy a car. The young man buys a car for $500, but the uncle refuses to pay any money. Is the young man entitled to $1,000, the amount promised, or merely $500, the amount he actually lost? The restatement states that the remedy granted for breach may be limited if justice requires leaving quantification to the discretion of the court. Other estoppels. Pais. Estoppel in Pais, literally by act of notoriety, or solemn formal act, is the historical root of common law estoppel by representation and equitable estoppel. The terms estoppel in Pais and equitable estoppel are used interchangeably in American law. Convention. Estoppel by convention in English law also known as estoppel by agreement, occurs where two parties negotiate or operate a contract but make a mistake. If they share an assumption, belief, or understanding of the contract's interpretation or legal effect, then they are bound by it, if 1. They both knew the other had the same belief, and 2. They both based their subsequent dealings on those beliefs. Estoppel by convention is most commonly invoked if one party wishes to rely on pre-contract negotiation as an aid to construction of the contract. It is debatable whether estoppel by convention is a separate estoppel doctrine, or merely a case of reliance-based estoppel, estoppel by representation would be its most frequent form, or of the rule of interpretation that, where words in a contract are ambiguous, one always interprets those words so as to give effect to the actual intentions of the parties even if that would not be the usual legal outcome, Amalgamated Investment and Property Company Limited v. Texas Commerce International Bank Limited. Acquiescence. Estoppel by acquiescence may arise when one person gives a legal warning to another based on some clearly asserted facts or legal principle, and the other does not respond within a reasonable period of time. By acquiescing, the other person is generally considered to have lost the legal right to assert the contrary. As an example, suppose that Jill has been storing her car on Jack's land with no contract between them. Jack sends a registered letter to Jill's legal address, stating, I am no longer willing to allow your car to stay here for free. Please come get your car, or make arrangements to pay me rent for storing it. If you do not do so, within 30 days, I will consider the car abandoned and will claim ownership of it.
If you need more time to make arrangements, please contact me within 30 days, and we can work something out. If Jill does not respond, she may be said to have relinquished her ownership of the car, and estoppel by acquiescence may prevent any court from invalidating Jack's actions of registering the car in his name and using it as his own. Contractual The law relating to contractual estoppel, in English law, was summarized in PK Intermark Limited v Australia and New Zealand Banking Group Limited. There is no reason in principle why parties to a contract should not agree that a certain state of affairs should form the basis for the transaction, whether it be the case or not. For example, it may be desirable to settle a disagreement as to an existing state of affairs in order to establish a clear basis for the contract itself and its subsequent performance. Where parties express an agreement of that kind in a contractual document neither can subsequently deny the existence of the facts and matters upon which they have agreed, at least so far as concerns those aspects of their relationship to which the agreement was directed. The contract itself gives rise to an estoppel, deed. Estoppel by deed is a rule of evidence arising from the status of a contract signed under seal, such agreements, called deeds, are more strictly enforced than ordinary contracts and the parties are expected to take greater care to verify the contents before signing them. Hence, once signed, all statements of fact, usually found in the opening recital which sets out the reasons for making the deed, are conclusive evidence against the parties who are stopped from asserting otherwise. Conflict estoppel. One who by his speech or conduct has induced another to act in a particular manner ought not be permitted to adopt an inconsistent position, attitude or course of conduct may not be adopted to loss or injury of another. For example, as between two or more claimants, a party that takes multiple and inconsistent legal positions is a stop to assert its positions against another consistent and certain claim, for example preferential treatment for certain over uncertain claims. Issue estoppel. Issue estoppel, more commonly known as issue preclusion, prevents, in some cases, an issue that has already been litigated and decided on the merits from being re-litigated, even when the parties are different. In the world of crime, some cases have achieved notoriety, for example in the Birmingham Six Saga, the House of Lords ruled in Hunter v. Chief Constable of the West Midlands Police, 1982, that issue estoppel applied. Lord de Plock said, Concerns the inherent power which any court of justice must possess to prevent misuse of its procedure in a way which, although not inconsistent with the literal application of its procedural rules, would nevertheless be manifestly unfair to a party to litigation before it, or would otherwise bring the administration of justice into disrepute among right-thinking people. A variant of issue estoppel also precludes a party from bringing a claim in subsequent proceedings which ought properly to have been brought as part of earlier legal proceedings. England and Wales Estoppel by representation of fact. In English law, estoppel by representation of fact is a term coined by Spencer Bauer. This species of estoppel is also referred to as common law estoppel by representation in Halsbury's Laws of England, Volume 16 2, 2003 reissue. Spencer Bauer defines estoppel by representation of fact as follows. Where one person, the representer, has made a representation of fact to another person, the representee, in words or by acts or conduct, or, being under a duty to the representee to speak or act, by silence or inaction, with the intention, actual or presumptive, and with the result of inducing the representee on the faith of such representation to alter his position to his detriment, the representer, in any litigation which may afterwards take place between him and the representee, is a stopped, as against the representee from making, or attempting to establish by evidence, 
any averment substantially at variance with his former representation, if the representee at the proper time, and in proper manner, objects thereto. A second definition comes from Sean Wilkin and Teresa Villiers. An estoppel by representation will arise between A and B if the following elements are made out. First, a mix of false representation of fact to B or to a group of which B was a member. Second, in making the representation, I intended or knew that it was likely to be acted upon. Third, B, believing the representation, acts to its detriment in reliance on the representation. Fourth, a subsequently seeks to deny the truth of the representation. Fifth, no defense to the estoppel can be raised by A. A representation can be made by words or conduct. Although the representation must be clear and unambiguous, a representation can be inferred from silence where there is a duty to speak or from negligence where a duty of care has arisen. Under English law, estoppel by representation of fact usually acts as a defense, though it may act in support of a cause of action or counterclaim. Equitable estoppel. Under English and Australian legal systems, estoppels in equity include promissory and proprietary estoppels, described below. Contrast with estoppel by representation, which is a claim, under the English system, at law. Proprietary estoppel. In English law, proprietary estoppel is distinct from promissory estoppel. Proprietary estoppel is not a concept in American law, but a similar result is often reached under the general doctrine of promissory estoppel. Traditionally, proprietary estoppel arose in relation to rights to use the land of the owner and possibly in connection with disputed transfers of ownership. Although proprietary estoppel was only traditionally available in disputes affecting title to real property, it has now gained limited acceptance in other areas of law. Proprietary estoppel is closely related to the doctrine of constructive trust. Fry J. summarized the five elements for proprietary estoppel as The claimant Made a mistake as to his legal rights, typically because the actual owner attempted to convey the property, but the transfer is invalid or ineffective for some reason. Did some act of reliance. The defendant knows of the existence of a legal right which he, the defendant, possesses, and which is inconsistent with the right claimed by the claimant. Knows of the claimant's mistaken belief, and encouraged the claimant in his act of reliance. Example, a father promised a house to his son who took possession and spent a large sum of money improving the property, but the father never actually transferred the house to the son. Upon the father's death, the son claimed to be the equitable owner. The court found the testamentary trustees, as representatives of the deceased father's estate, were stopped from denying the son's proprietary interest, and ordered them to convey the land to the son. Promissory Estoppel The doctrine of promissory estoppel prevents one party from withdrawing a promise made to a second party if the latter has reasonably relied on that promise. A promise made without consideration is generally not enforceable. It is known as a bare or gratuitous promise. Thus, if a car salesman promises a potential buyer not to sell a certain car over the weekend, but does so, the promise cannot be enforced. But should the car salesman accept from the potential buyer even one penny in consideration for the promise, the promise will be enforceable in court by the potential buyer. Estoppel extends the court's purview in the cases where there is no consideration, though it is generally not a sword, not a basis on which to initiate a lawsuit. In English jurisprudence, the doctrine of promissory estoppel was first developed in Hughes v. Metropolitan Railway Company but was lost for some time until it was resurrected by Denning J. in the controversial case of Central London Property Trust Limited v. High Trees House Limited. Promissory estoppel requires 1. 
an unequivocal promise by words or conduct. 2. Evidence that there is a change in position of the promisee as a result of the promise, reliance but not necessarily to their detriment, and 3. Inequity if the promiser were to go back on the promise. In general, estoppel is a shield not a sword it cannot be used as the basis of an action on its own. It also does not extinguish rights. In High Trees the plaintiff company was able to restore payment of full rent from early 1945, and could have restored the full rent any time after the initial promise was made provided a suitable period of notice had been given. In this case, the estoppel was applied to a negative promise, that is, one where a party promises not to enforce full rights. Estoppel is an equitable, as opposed to common law, construct and its application is therefore discretionary. In the case of D&C Builders v. Reese the courts refused to recognize a promise to accept a part payment of £300 on a debt of £482 on the basis that it was extracted by duress. In Coombe v. Coombe Denning elaborated on the equitable nature of estoppel by refusing to allow its use as a sword by an ex-wife to extract funds from the destitute husband. The general rule is that when one party agrees to accept a lesser sum in full payment of a debt, the debtor has given no consideration, and so the creditor is still entitled to claim the debt in its entirety. This is not the case if the debtor offers payment at an earlier date than was previously agreed, because the benefit to the creditor of receiving payment early can be thought of as consideration for the promise to waive the rest of the debt. This is the rule formulated in Pinnell's case and affirmed in Folks v. Beer. The decision of the Court of Appeal in Collier v. P. and M. J. Wright, Holdings, Limited suggests that the doctrine of promissory estoppel can now operate to mitigate the harshness of this common law rule. Moreover, Arden L. J. held that allowing a creditor to renege on his promise to forbear seeking the balance of a debt in return for part payment would be, in and of itself, inequitable. Therefore, the only reliance that the promisee must demonstrate is the actual making of the part payment. This approach has been criticized as doing violence to the principles set down in Hughes and the extent to which the other members of the court, namely Lawnmore L.J., agreed with it is uncertain. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America